Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here with the globetrotting uh creator of all kind of interesting content, photography, books, videos. You can find him everywhere. He has a huge following. And uh, look him up, Thorsten Von Overgaard. Hello, Thorsten. Yep. Glad to have you. Uh, that was fun. Glad to have you on. And uh, we're continuing on our conversation about creativity and we're going to move into kind of getting more specific about deciding and we've got uh my good friend and award-winning sculptor jason mel here yeah hey jason yeah nice to meet everyone and uh so let's talk about how you wake up your creativity you expand maybe you know you're already creative you've done some things and uh you know that's an ongoing process if someone is at that point where they just say i'm not that creative wrong <laughs> you know let me let me show you how creative you are all i've got to do is tell you to do something you don't want to do and then you get amazingly creative <laughs> at avoiding that you've been creative you learn if there's anything that children learn right from the start is how to creatively avoid things they don't want uh, to do and then how to creatively get things that they want that their parents won't let them get so you've been creating your own life your, your own life don't don't sell yourself short but the deal is why not use that thought process that thinking to your advantage now as you're an adult to really move forward in your life you know break out of the box and those restrictions and things like that so uh uh, you want to weigh in on that, you know, so we're, we're moving on from just the ob observing stage to making decisions and deciding and uh, picking something, you know, you got to move from like we had talked the last time about uh, do something different, take a different direction, meet some different people, you know, read a different book, do something different, but then look for something that strikes your imagination, but then follow up, you know, go after it you know so uh uh what would you uh have to uh say about that um so i might add something here uh i think it's good to differentiate between thoughts and ideas and having thoughts and ideas and then being fed thoughts and ideas you need time for both you can pursue what other people think um pursue different forms of media read books but also just having time to process it on your own terms. Um, so Larry's been over to my house before. He's seen my living room. One thing that people notice right away is I have things of inspiration in there, but no television. I do have speakers, and so I will play music there, and I spend a lot of my free time just sitting on my couch with no stimulation visually, and that's a spot where I think. And I might have books out that I'm referencing, but that's not where I'll sit and read. It's just where I think and process. And 
that helps kind of drive drive my own direction. It lets me break down other thoughts that I've picked up. But why did you set that up? You know, like there had to be a thought behind you. Like, you know, you were in Aspen for years and you moved over there because you could be near the foundries and you could get a bigger place, you know, and much bigger and, uh, uh, you know, work out in the yard and not worry about everything being stolen all the time. And so how did you, what was your thought about setting this up around the idea of allowing myself to be creative and think? So the way I set that up is when I lived in Aspen, I had pretty much two spaces that were an extension of each other. There was no door dividing them. Any process that happened in one space had to share space with other ideas and other processes. Now I've divided my whole house up. I have a thinking area. I have a reading area. Um, I don't particularly have one sleeping area that can happen anywhere. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it does. Sometimes I'll be thinking and I'll fall asleep in that area. And then with my art itself, I have different sections. In the yard, I do gardening. Um, I work on sculptures there. I work on very different sculptures in two other studio spaces in that house. And it allows me to compartmentalize and let things develop in isolation and then bring them back into the bigger thought and the bigger picture later. Yeah. So I definitely like focusing on things in isolation, really processing them and then allowing it to be part of something. So you knew if that location was going to pay off for you, it needed to be set up in a way that would allow you to open up and uh, yeah, come up with ideas and then to be able to process them and and to run with anything at any given time. And some of it's not even based on my art. Some of it's based on the inspiration. I have rooms dedicated to plants. I have sections that are just stones that I find inspiring. Um, And so I can go just sit and focus on something too and let that be. Yeah. Jason's got an amazing knowledge of plants i think your family or something like that uh well so my grandmother gardened my mother uh once a spring and once a fall gave me a section of the yard to plant however i wanted yeah and so a fun thing is to walk through the denver botanical garden with uh jason telling you what you're seeing to me it's just plants (laughs) (laughs) Plants but he actually knows what they are and uh and so when you're hearing that stuff uh, Thorsten, uh, uh, I can see your wheels spinning uh, uh, yeah. and expanding on this. Talk about what what comes to your mind as you're hearing uh, uh, th- those kind of thoughts come out. Well, one thing is like television has to go. It just simply has to go. Uh, television doesn't lead anywhere towards life. It's just uh, a complete waste of time. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I don't have televisions. Uh, they are always in the hotel room. They put one, two, or three televisions up, and I never, I never turn it on ever. Um, so that's one thing, and it's interesting with this. Uh, I was just thinking about here, like it was yesterday, that when I was, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years, I had my room, and what was like the highlights in 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 that age? And one thing was that I had to have a desk in my room. And it had to have night lights, like an architect lamp. So somehow it was important to have a desk. I didn't know what to use it for yet, but I needed a desk to sit and work with. And then when I got my first reel-to-reel recorder, I could uh, 
compile my own music from the radio or wherever I got it from. And the funny thing is basically like that. It's like when when we when we drive and we'd have to choose a hotel, it'd have to have a disc and I have my own speakers with me. Uh, so it's kind of like the same setup still is still a table and music, you know. But it's not I don't use uh, music in in that way. Well I used to have a music room. Uh, I was just sitting and listen to music and, and I find it very inspiring. I also find a way to change the mood or change gear, you know, you're dealing with something and then you sit down and listen to music and you're in a different universe suddenly. Uh, so that's a good way to reset. You want to say if you are busy with something or you're unhappy or you're concerned, you just listen to music and 10, 20, 30 minutes later, you're like a new person. So that is, uh, yeah, that's always a source for inspiration, even no matter what kind of music you listen to, I think. So, um, but as you could say, we talk about the decision part, we say observe, decide, execute, and and there is like, how do you make a decision? And we said before, well, in the previous episode, we said, if you say, you don't have to tell anybody what you want to do. Actually, often it's a bad idea to brief other people about what you plan to do in the future because they don't understand it. But if you do and they say that's a bad idea, or if that was something somebody else would have done it, then you're on the right track because they don't understand, but you do, you have a vision with something. So I think that's a good indicator for what is a good decision. And that is, follow your own heart because you are unique. And that's one thing you have to believe in, that you want to be special and you are unique. If you don't believe that, then it doesn't matter. Then you can do anything in life. You can just have somebody tell you what to do. Uh, but I really believe that that everybody, most people grow up and they feel they have a mission. They have like something special talent. They just haven't figured out yet what it is. And of course you listen to other people and they have ideas and your parents have ideas that like my dad, and also my uncle were typesetters, so they used to say become a typesetter. That's always going to be used for typesetters. I mean, you tell that to people today, they say, what is a typesetter? So apparently it wasn't used for typesetters forever. It was just a thing back then. Um, so you can create your own future. And especially, I think, well, I think everybody basically has the talent, but you have to have the observe, design, and execute to actually make it into reality. But I think everybody has the ability to see some possibilities that something observe something and that it could be nice to build a road here it could be nice to do this or it could be nice to do that and then some have you could say the talent or ability to decide how to do it and also along the way as you as you try to make a business become reality you're going to see that it wasn't as you expected so now you have to look at it again and make some decisions you know uh, to get there but you have to make decisions and execute. And, and the thing is, uh, <clears throat> what you're doing is you're setting up a pattern for your life. You know, like, like you were talking about, I had a desire for a desk and a light. I didn't know what to do with them, but you know, and the music and the speakers and things exactly. like that. No, and uh, Jason, you know, he was, he set up his, his, his space there in Denver. But the thing is that it's, you're, you're setting up a pattern for a life and something that can allow you to really have uh, new things come in your life. Let yourself think, give yourself, basically giving yourself space to think. And uh, you got to work through this idea of constantly moving forward because uh, I saw Vincent Van Gogh uh, uh, documentary a few days ago and it, 
he was saying that, uh, or maybe it was in books, but he said like, uh, outside of the, he said, you go through, uh, it was something like you go through uh, terror and frustration or desperation and terror on the way to the door to a great work of art. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah. and, and uh, you know, you're questioning yourself and you're challenging yourself and you're pushing yourself. And so the thing is, you can't just center your life around looking around for inspiration because basically past a certain point inspiration is for amateurs and professionals i'm going to say this say if you guys want to clean it up professionals just go to work you know they made the decision this is what i want to do i can't yeah. wait for nobody else is gonna show up at, nobody's going to show up at the front door yeah. with the answer to this particular thing i gotta just go to work and so creative is not waiting for hours for the magic moment when inspiration comes to the sky and strikes is about showing up, getting started again and again, and then something amazing happens or it doesn't happen. Yeah. But what's important is that you created the opportunity where it could happen. And you create that opportunity again and again and again. It's like investing in stock, you know, or taking yeah. a lot of photos. Eventually uh, you're creating the opportunity where the great one will come, you know? And uh, for yeah, that yeah. to work, for anything to work, you got to be taking that next step forward. If you're an artist, you draw and paint, you know, uh, Picasso, I saw some of his sketches and I'm sure you know this, like he would sketch in the top on his sketches, he would have Picasso written pretty big in the top left corner. And then he'd have the date and then he'd have a Roman numeral. And, you know, Roman numeral mm -hmm. one, number two, three, four. And what that was, mm -hmm. was, how many, what, which sketch for that day it was. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying time. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. And so you also said something yeah, go ahead, go about ahead. Yeah, jump in. not expecting uh, to continue at the same rate forward. You always work forward. Yeah. You don't stop working. Yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. success comes in like, punctuated equilibrium, meaning there's moments where it's a huge step forward. And then mm -hmm. many, many moments where it feels like you're working, but you're not making progress, but you have to be doing that work, even when the progress isn't happening. Because in that moment of punctuated equilibrium, you're going to make huge leaps forward. And that isn't just with making art, that's in anything in life, because everything in life takes creativity in that pushing forward, even when it feels like you're not moving forward. You know, I remember when even in the business, you know, we recruited, trained and people to open their own office and everything. And we'd have uh, recruiting meetings once a week. And I remember Art Williams saying, you know, sometimes you have one person show up. Sometimes nobody shows up, you know, and then sometimes you have a big crowd. Mm -hmm. He said, it doesn't really matter how many show up. It matters that you keep doing the meetings. <laughs> 
So, yeah, no, but I mean, you, you said you would refer to my newsletter app, and I did a newsletter just a, a few days ago, a week ago, about, well, you could say, who do you listen to? But, but you could say, one of the things I, I had in this, I said that I had dinner in Paris with uh, a creative person that he charges 20,000 euros a day. And everybody said, wow, he's doing great. His biggest problem was that he was doubting himself all the time. But, and then you could say, my only thing I'm saying from that is that, no, I think that the, just continuing what, to do what you decided to do, that's a great thing because you do have good days and bad days and you can have bad periods, you know, but you just decide, no, this is what I'm doing, you know. And you could say, it's almost for me, I'm, I must have made a decision at some point, no, I need a desk. I'm going to sit by my desk and turn on the light and then see see what I come up with. And that's how I got into writing and advertising and everything and later photography and, and all the well, stuff I do now. You also said in there, new disc. you said don't invalidate yourself. Right? <laughs> yeah, and that is the thing that you could say that invalidation is doubting yourself. And I said like invalidation is basically definition of, of invalidation is all the things, well, it's like you feel less, but you could say it's all the, it's the headline for all the undone projects. It's something you get this idea, observe something, you get the idea to do something, but you then you don't decide or you wait for somebody else to tell you to do or tell you it's a great idea. But the whole point with art and entrepreneurship and all the things that valuable doing is that nobody can see what you see. They don't understand what you see. And once you made it, then they get it. And then they think it's obvious that, you know, everybody's have done it, you know. And I mean, there's lots of examples we can look at, like the guys who built the underground train. Uh, we have Apple with Steve Jobs. Like, why did he do that? Why did he just leave Microsoft to do their thing, you know? Um, but he decided, no, I'm going to build a computer this way. It has to be this design, it has to be this system. Uh, he had lots of things where he decided against, you could say, common knowledge. Uh, and he just kept doing it. And you, and you, I mean, you, Larry, you must be a great example of somebody who decided to do something. You just keep doing it. I yeah. mean, you're not retiring anytime soon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm not smart enough to immediately figure it out. So I just got to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> keep doing it. One day it has to work. Yeah, but that's true. You eventually, know. eventually I will have made all the mistakes and then they will be out of the way and then I can just do it the way it's supposed to be done. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, Thorsten, exactly. this guy, this guy who trained me in financial services was a famous Yankee mm -hmm. pitcher. And uh, they won mm -hmm. like eight World Series in the uh, 60s. And uh, mm -hmm. he was in there with Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and all. If, if you know mm -hmm. baseball in the United States, that, those are big names, you know, Whitey Ford, Yogi Yeah, Barra. DiMaggio, no. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's in the locker room with him every day, 10 years. And mm -hmm. they won. Mm -hmm. And he met presidents and actors and actresses. Everybody wants to be around the, you know, the World Series winners. Mm -hmm. And he was a prominent guy on the team because when they came up with the Players Association, he was elected president uh, mm -hmm. of for the team, you know, the top rep. And so uh, he knows, you know, he was like eight presidents. He was in the White House with eight presidents. And he said, mm -hmm. he said, told me something. He said, Larry, he said, one thing about the really great people is none of them really think they're any good, that good but so, uh yeah and he said as a result oh this is my take on and the other thing he says he said but they all they're always working to improve and that comes from the mm -hmm. fact that 
And the third thing he says, and they love it a little bit more than everybody else. And the fact that they mm -hmm. love it, they don't think they're that great at it themselves. And so they're always working to get better. And that's what gives them that upward motive momentum and allows them mm -hmm. to come up with those creative type situ uh, solutions and things like that. And uh, uh, that's where you have to put yourself. You have to put yourself out on the edge like that. And, uh, uh, you know, you, that's why it's so important to observe what turns you on and decide mm -hmm. if you're going to pursue it or not. And that gives you the freedom to feel like this is the right path for me, you know, until yeah. mm -hmm. you, you reach a point where it's not, you, you want to jump well, out? There's also this duality in life, especially as a creative, but it applies to everyone. Um, if you're a successful creative, you tend to notice your failings. Yeah. A lot more. And mm -hmm. other people are noticing your successes. So the image mm -hmm. and the image portrayed a lot of times is only the successful points. People don't always see mm -hmm. all these failures that you don't show the world that it took to get to that point. So mm -hmm. don't think that yeah. all these successful people around you just magically got there. They aren't showing you all the things that happened to get there. What a great takeaway. And you have Mm -hmm. Something you would like to add as a final word, Thorsten, on you know this deciding phase, and then we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about uh, the executing here in a minute. But any last word you'd like to leave people on the deciding portion of your upcoming book? <laughs> <laughs> you could say, I mean, you could you would say one thing: it have you have to believe in yourself and and. Jason, this thing you say is like reminds me that it's interesting. Like, I take photographs and I look at other photos, and some photos I like, and some I don't really notice. I was never really into photographs, but I do study artists. So I'll read about Ansel Adams, I'll read about Herbert Newton, or look at the stuff and try to figure out what is the breakthrough, what what did they do right? And the common error people do is that they think, for example, uh, with musicians, they think, oh, Beyonce. For example, is very successful because she looks like she does as she does the type of music she does, or she has in many plays on Spotify. But if you go in and look at her career, you would see no, that's not her breakthrough. That's not where she's actually making the money. That's not her success. And I actually don't know what her success, but you could say I know it. For example, Ansel Adams that he tried for a long time to be a, a respected artist, like a painter that you get paid really well for limited prints. And he had some success with it, but not a lot. And when he was like, I think he was 22 or 23, 32, 33, his wife inherited a, a gallery in Yosemite. And from that gallery, they sold postcards, like for $1. And then also some prints for, I think, $20 back then. And that was his first breakthrough. He was 33 years old. He'd been at this for like 15 years or more. And he'd been trying to be really respected. And he makes money on postcards. He made... In today's money, I forgot what it was. It was 180, 180 or 600,000 a year he made on that. That was his first really breakthrough. And you think, no, that's Ansel Adams is big prints, like 40 times 50 centimeters or bigger, and it's signed. That's where the money is. No, it wasn't. It was postcards, you know. And if you look at Helmut Newton, you look at other guys, it's, it's, it, that's not how it was. And you look at Jeff Koons, it's like, how did he make 
money, you know, and, and there's always like a different story than what is visible. And that means you cannot just copy others. And then you go back to you observe with your own uniqueness. And then you make decisions based, based on what you feel is right. And what you feel should be done. And that's going to be unique. And that's going to be, it's going to lead to a breakthrough at some point, you know. Um, but it's not copying others because that's not observing. Uh, that's just like, you're not actually observing. You can't get a, a written idea if you don't really research something 100%, you know. Absolutely. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.